hidden behind closed doors. This is Fear of the Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael. Jason, what movie are we talking about today? Today we're going to talk about He Walked by Night. 1948, one hour, 18 minutes. Michael, what are we drinking today? Today we're drinking Tag, Grapefruit Wheat. From Lion Bridge Brewing out of Cedar Rapids. And they're a sponsor. Absolutely. Cheers, brother. It's funny. Lion Bridge Brewing. And the production company was Eagle Lion Films. Another tie. Exactly. We <laughs> tied it in because one of the reasons I, I picked the beer was a tag because there's kind of a game of tag yes. going on in this movie. Back home, contacted them, visited. Great. Lots of fun. Cool spot. They're doing some great beer. Cedar Rapids has got a a great little beer scene going on. Every time I go home, I try to look up places and I want, I, you know me, I'm a Midwesterner yeah. and I want to wave the flag. This and is it, nice. It's a Rattler. It's it, kind of like a Rattler. Yeah, it says, inspired by German Rattlers that combine soda and beer to produce a light and refreshing beverage. Cedar Rapids, it, it's not German, but it's Czechoslovakian. They have the Czech village. So it's down in that area. Honestly, even though I'm from Iowa, doesn't mean I know every city perfectly. It's a wheat ale that they're starting with, and they're adding this yeah, because you know thing. the Rattler or the Shandy, yeah. as they call it in Ireland. You know, it's like it's half beer, it's a light beer, and then you finish it with a lemonade. You could use grapefruit juice, whatever. So now it's become a thing where breweries are putting it in a can. Yeah. But it's this refreshing. Is, yeah, you this, gotta like grapefruit. If you're not a fan of the soda fresca. This may not be to your liking, but it, I love it. It's great. Oh, this, yeah, I could totally drink these all day. Oh, man. They're always going to be low ABV. They should be. You know, if you're getting like an Imperial <laughs> Rattler, just be careful. You know? Yeah. I met a few people, and in Germany, they call them bicycle beers because people would like ride bikes all over. Mm-hmm. And when you get to, you know, you stop to get a drink. You don't necessarily want a big, heavy beer. And so that's where it kind of came. They ordered those, get like... Because this when you first Because you still this, want the buzz. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but you're like, you want to be refreshed. And when you first taste this, to me, it tastes a grapefruit type of Italian soda. And at the very end, you get that wheat ale taste it's, to it. The that's very where end. like the grain, because yeah. it, it could be sneaky where you go, I'm not even drinking. Yeah. But it does give you the wheat. This this is good. This is tasty. Thank you, Lion Bridge. Oh. Had a great time. It was fun. Excellent. I mean, you're visiting brewery. What's not fun about this that? is our life? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So no, you picked this movie. Yes, I picked this movie because when we did our film noir episode a way while back, we had watched a lot of film noir. I watched it, I enjoyed it, and it gets put a lot in the film noir list. And I think we have a discussion because well, I think we both agree this is not a film noir. Oh, you know me, man. <laughs> like, I mean, you're, it's so you're no. the scholar on a film noir. I, no. You went to school and you took a film noir. You took film noir class. Films <laughs> noir. Films noir. <laughs> this is one of those. I go, hell no. This is not a film noir. I mean, Jack Webb's in it, and this is basically like a pilot for the show Dragnet yes. and, and the radio show and the television show Dragnet. He's in this, and he sort of met people, the genesis of Dragnet comes from this, yeah. and, you, and you can totally see it. It's told completely from the perspective of the police. Yeah. So it's a police procedure. And there's no mystery to this. You know who's committing these crimes. It's a cat and mouse game. It's a game of tag. Exactly, which is one Boom. of the reasons I picked it. Tag. I Actually, you brought the bridge, the lion bridge yeah. and the... <laughs> The bridge thing, you you connected that, but no tag because it is. It's a game of tag. It's it's based on a true story. The ending is not 
how the real story, and we kind of get into that yeah. a little bit. So I think there's some Hayes Code stuff going on there. In our Bible that you bought me, that we I always go back to when we do a film noir, it does not mention this movie. A panorama of film noir. <laughs> I'm so glad that you get get use out of that I do. Book. It's, it's uh, a great book. It's a great book. If you're a cinema fan like us, it's one of the books that you probably should have on your bookshelf. But why do you think on other people's lists this shows up? It's a director of photography. John Alton, he received an Academy Award for An American in Paris, which is not a film noir. T-Men, I mean... The Big Combo. The Big Combo, which again, not, not, a, film a, not a film noir, but... It, it shows up on people's lists all the time. His, so does T-Men. His eye is so spectacular. I mean, it's the deep shadows. It's the high contrast. It's the framing of shots. It's amazing. It, it's, it's incredible. You watch this movie and... There's a lot of chase through the storm drains, which people say kind of came from the third man, an Orson Welles picture that was came out a few years yeah. before. But I mean, it is, it's, it's the shots, you know? And also I would say there's a lack of noise in this movie. Film score is negligible and it creates this atmosphere where you have a scene where it's such the shadow, the high contrast and zero sound, like just natural, what, what things sound like. Like life isn't doesn't have yeah. an orchestra over it, you know. <laughs> as cool as it might be, it's like most of the time when you're doing some shenanigans, yeah. you're just doing shenanigans. There's no Marvin the- Gaye soundtrack behind. No, you. <laughs> there's there's not. There's there. You know, visually, this movie is stunning. This, this is a good movie. I like this. I, I don't want people to think you know because I say it's not a film noir. No. I don't like it. It's just I don't consider it a film noir. No. It's a police procedural. Like if, you're, if you're getting a psychopathy of like police books, police films, it, this would be it. It's almost a, a, a police recruitment yes. video. Be, because it is. It, it's celebrating like technological advances. There's one moment that we'll get to where, where I go, they, if it was a recruitment video, you'd say, cut that part yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we yeah. don't want, we want people to think this is Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's got to be cool and fun, you know? Get, Spoiler alert. Just give us an overview. There is the actor Richard Basehart. We might know him as the voice of the Knight Foundation if you're a Knight Rider fan. He, and, and among a huge career, he plays a criminal, Roy Martin, Roy Morgan. I think Roy Morgan is actually his real, his real name. What do we want to go with? Let's just call him Roy. Roy? Yeah. yeah. He is committing crimes. He starts with electronic stores that he's going to rip off because then he takes these electronics, does his own dabbling, very smart person, and then he resells them to another place on consignment. Now, the police are trying to ta- track him down, and it becomes just a long cat and mouse game as they try to... He stays one step ahead of the police for a long time. That's it. It's a cat and mouse game with this detective who loses his partner. Um, his partner lives, but he loses him, and he's really diligent. He wants to track this person down, and it ends, of course, in a final battle scene in the storm drains of Los Angeles, but that's it. It is a... We see the inner workings of, of the police. Yep. Like, and, and it's pretty cool because yep. you see where like ballistics are at and advancements. Composite drawings. Certain and, things yeah. that I didn't know that existed at that time. Exactly. Like, like when they were they were talking about, hey, we can, we can trace, trace a bullet yeah. to a specific gun. Yeah. I didn't know that they were that advanced at that time. Either die in forty eight. I didn't think yeah. so. But but, but there were there there were some cool things along the way yeah. that they were they were sort of like saying, hey, this and it's post war. Yeah, it's post World War Two where there was there was this ex- huge explosion of just you know technological advancements because the war effort for good push, or ill push technology. It does. It okay. pushes the heck out of technology, and so come out of that now. What are all these people coming back? 
might want to get in law enforcement. Hey, here's some, you can apply yourself or your learnings to this. So, And it's also a very LA movie because you get to see iconic <laughs> LA places like City Hall. Um, you still you still see that shot. <laughs> yeah. It's just not in black and white. It's not it, in black it, and it white. Is, it, it's Art Deco. Yeah. I th- is it Art? I would it, say that. Yeah. So it's that tall building yeah. downtown. I know it. I've yeah. been there. Yeah. And it, it is. It's You see it like LA Confidential. Yeah. They, of course. Boom. You see, it's just such a great thing to put a camera yeah. on. And so if you, and if you want, there are certain things LA that you, you know, just like New York. You're going to have the Empire State Building, Chicago. You're going to have certain shots of cities where you just show somebody and they go, oh, that's here. That's and you can, like, as a public, you can't you can't take tours of the inner workings of City Hall, but you can go up there, and they actually have an observation deck. And you can go in there, you get you go through security, and you can go to the very top, and there's an observation deck. You can walk around. You can see all downtown LA. It's a nice thing to do. Anyway, it starts with a voiceover. And I do like there's one thing they say about LA, they're, because they describe LA, and they're saying, like, <laughs> Some people describe LA as suburbs looking for like it's a city. city. <laughs> exactly. It's, it is. it's an actor named Reed Hadley who does this voiceover, and the voiceover does make me chuckle. Fastest growing city. Yeah. <laughs> with the largest police force. One of my favorite lines, though, is they're, they're talking about the police and the work of police, like woman, never ends. Yes, exactly. <laughs> It's 1948. It's 1948. <laughs> there are some things that you would not see like in the, like anymore in this movie, but it, it it is a tight little movie. It starts off a June night at 1 a.m. where Officer Robert Rollins in the Hollywood Police Division is ending his shift. Did you notice the music? It's kind of like this happy music yes. is going on. This guy, he's a good cop, yeah. and he's going home to his wife, who always stays up for him. They, they say that. Exactly. It's like, that's not me making it up. Like, his wife just sits at home. Her job is just, I sit at home, wait for my husband to get home. Yeah, because I'm going to have a nice steak dinner for a wedding for him. That sounds good. Um, no, but ser- but no, he, he is. He's a good cop, gets off work, and he's driving home. There's a nefarious character going yeah, on. Yeah, a shady character on an empty street. And I'm telling you right now, like, this is where John Alton, the, to yeah. me, this is his first flourish, yeah. where he's just like, boom, because... Roy Morgan is walking across the street. There's like, it's just deep shadow and then light and shadows being cast. So you know he's no up to no good. There's and, no way this person's going to be And the music nice. yeah. totally changes. Yeah. The music gets a little more menacing, a little more somber. And there, there's a great shot. He goes up to a store. It's, a, it's an electronic store. The shot is from the inside looking yeah. out as he's sort of fiddling around. Maybe he's going to break in there. He has him a lockpick toolkit. It's a fantastic shot. And it's just the first little instance of you go. Those are the shots where people say, oh, that's why this is a film noir. Because Absolutely. those shots make make the movie. Yeah, they, and, they make it artistic. And it's one of those things I think oftentimes just kind of slip by people. And I'm going to try to keep it to a minimum, just singing the Well, that's what makes of, part of this movie is that, that it's John so, Alton's talent on this. Yeah, and, and it is. It's just these little things that you might not... You, if you don't know film or you don't like know the inner workings of it, you might not think of it, but it's, they go, we're going to position the camera here to get this. It's very, it's great. Everything is so well thought out. Well, officer Rollins, who's on his way home, he's off duty. He sees this and he's a good cop because cops are always on duty. He pulls up and Roy kind of scampers away, but Rollins falls in the car, then pulls up and says, Hey, what are you up to? You know, what's going on? Where's your identification? And he's like, walking home. <laughs> I must have left that there, but I do have my... How about my army discharge? <laughs> I got it right here. <laughs> and he pulls he out a gun. 
It's a great line. Yeah. And that is that's noir. Yeah. Because it could be the discharge papers, yeah. but also it's a gun. Because he's it. using an army yeah. army gun. And it's like, here's my army. I was in the army. Here's my discharge. Yeah. It's fantastic. And he shoots Rollins. And he scampers off, but Rollins has enough energy where he rams his car into Roy's car, disabling it. And so Roy has to get out. And now there's a huge commotion. It looks like there's a nightclub or a bar. And now people start running out. So Roy takes off. He hightails it out of there. Yeah. Of course, the police are there because it's 1948 like that. <laughs> and, and Roy's got like, he's got some stuff. Yeah. He doesn't just have a car. He's got nitroglycerin. He's got just this arsenal. arsenal of stuff. And the cops, and I just don't know how this works even today. The cops basically go, yeah, pick up everybody. Yeah. Just go grab everybody off the street. Lay down a four square mile dragnet. Bring everybody whoa. in. Hey, whoa, <laughs> pump the brakes. How fast do you think this guy runs? So, but also, Jason, they have a description. Yeah, oh, we're looking for a white male, five, nine, like yeah. 30 years old. There's this great flat, it's a woman's voice, yeah. just flat, you know. We're looking for a white male, American, yeah. 30. So a little creepy. Yeah. So they're going out. That's what they're looking for. They haul in all these guys, and Everybody. all of a sudden, there's an old Asian dude. And a Latino guy, Punchy. <laughs> he was yeah. out there to get cardio. <laughs> these poor people. Like Everybody gets yeah, brought in. I know. And Reed Hadley's voiceover says, you might be leaving a poker game or a late night date or a late night party and you might find yourself in LAPD headquarters. <laughs> and I'm like, that should have happened. No. Like, I don't want to be leaving something at night all of a sudden like, hey, you kind of look like the description. It, you don't. You're 50, but we're still going to bring you in. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, Jason. You don't. It, it's just because if that was the case, they wouldn't bother the old Asian gentleman. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking for a five nine white man, yeah. twenty six to thirty. They're bringing a, like a sixty year old Chinese man. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like comic relief, but you're. But at the same time, you go. That's not cool. There is parts of this movie, and I know when. Um, they made Police Squad, the TV show that was the forerunner of the Naked Gun mo- movies with Lieutenant Frank Drebin. <laughs> that there's parts of this that remind, like they had watched this show because they do stuff in that movie. Because they would have had the same thing. Like, let's do a drag it and they'd pull in people that didn't match at all. <laughs> who, who are you and how'd you get in here? Yeah. I'm a locksmith. Yeah. And I'm a locksmith. <laughs> <laughs> But they have the dragnet. You are introduced to our two main detectives, too. We have our Captain Breen, played yep. by Roy Roberts. And then we have Sergeant Marty Brennan, played by Scott Brady. And, of course, um, Sergeant Chuck Jones, uh, played by uh, James Cardwell. And and we also meet Jack Webb. Yes. Because he identifies things. And his name is Lee Whitey. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great, because first of all, he's the whitest dude in the face of the yes, earth. Exactly. And I say that as an extremely white man. But but, but also, Lee Whitey sounds like the name from a black exploitation. Exactly. He's, he's, he's like the villain. Yeah, he, he is. He, he's, he's like the guy who owns a bar. And, he, and he's like, he's hosting the criminal, yeah. the bad guys. And he's like, we're going to go get Lee Whitey. Yeah. <laughs> so they're they're interviewing people. And, yeah. and like the, they're the not people, making inroads. But no, but the people are so helpful. Yeah. They're they're like, hey, I, I saw the guy and he yeah. was all this. Like they couldn't be more helpful. Yeah. You're gonna constantly have these shifts back because this is a cat and mouse game to Roy and his view. And you know why one way he's able to stay one step ahead is he's listening to what amounts to a police scanner. Yes. And you have to question, 
how does he have that at the time? And later on, you'll find out why. Yes. Um, and they try to humanize Roy because they give him a dog. But also, Roy's listening to the description, and he is changing his description. They mention a pencil-thin mustache. He's shaving, and he kind of smirks like this I one. got yeah. Yeah, it's like Clark Kent. Like, I'm just going to say, no one's going to recognize me now. Like, <laughs> I'm getting rid of the peach fuzz. Yeah. <laughs> because it isn't. It's it's not like he's rocking a Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Or, or, you know, it's like he's just got this sort of wispy. I never liked that style mustache, but, you know, it was a very popular during that time period. No, I mean, if I'm doing a mustache, I want a Zappa. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, that's, I don't, it, I did the mustache thing yeah. for a while. I don't care for it. Did not care for it one bit. Michael saying that as I have a mustache. <laughs> it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. There was just a lot. I, I was, when I finally had to shave it, I, I, I said, I'm glad. Yeah. I totally get Food it. Food gets in it. You know, you got to trim it all the time. It's just a thing. <laughs> it was just a whole thing that I had going on there. But so, you are, we're interested in Lee Whitey, Jack Webb. We get Captain Breen, and I have to point out, the captain, there's tropes with police captains anymore movies, where they're always yelling and screaming, like, get things done. He is the most even-kill captain. I think you mentioned it, and you talked about it, so I'm going to let you t- take that. Well, first of all, his voice, his <laughs> voice is great. He sounds like a voiceover guy. He reminds me of Lieutenant Castile from Miami Vice, yeah. where he's just, like, calm, and he does, he has a Crockett, you're in too deep yeah, moment. Exactly. But, but he has, Breen is, he is, he's, he's a thoughtful cop isn't the guy that's like yelling at you and screaming. He's, he's like almost a father figure to these guys where he says, I'm going to put you on the case and I'm going to kind of guide you and oversee you. Marty. And let's call him Marty because I did, I didn't like the fact that Captain Breen, his last name was Breen B and Brennan and this, Brennan. So, so okay, Sergeant Marty. Marty. Okay, good, yeah, good. He knew Rollins and he knew Rollins wife and he's known him since high school. So he, he has some emotional attachment to this case, which to me would almost preclude you yeah. from putting I'm, I'm not going to put you on the case you're too close Crockett yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, and I will say because it is a Miami Vice thing but also smoking is a big deal in oh, this movie I, I can't believe we haven't talked about that yet and yes <laughs> as a former smoker and I've kicked the habit happy to have done it movies like this sometimes are tough well everybody is constantly smoking. And there's and there's a running bit where Marty never has a light. Everybody's always providing a light. And it's this kind of just underlying just bit. Yeah, they're smoking in hospitals. Oh, constantly just lighting up left and right. And, it, you know, you're, there's this that little part of you as an ex-smoker that goes, oh, boy, I bet that's nice. <laughs> I'm drinking a beer. <laughs> nice to have a cigarette. Yeah. I'm sure Sergeant Marty would have a cigarette right now. I mean, he has, a, like, I, I think he probably goes through several packs during this movie. Captain Breen also has a talent where no matter where he's in this movie, he could reach out for a phone and immediately connect <laughs> to the exact person he needs. Because as they're thinking about the contents of Roy's car, he's like, and as Lee Whitey is giving him more information, he's like, you know what? That reminds me of something. He picks up the phone. He's like, burglary. Hey, you know those burglaries of those radio electronic firms? Did any of them use pick locks? Perfect. So anytime you see him, he needs something. There's like a phone right there that he picks up. And I'm like, oh, once again, it reminds me of police squad. (laughs) But I also like the idea of like, hey, you know the burglaries? Any of them use pick locks? Yeah, pretty much all of them. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we do have our smash and grabs, but... You know, a lot of them do pick locks. That's yeah. like, this is a large city, sir. <laughs> we're, we're not in Rebrub, Alabama. We're in Los Angeles. <laughs> and 
and once again, we get another picture of Roy, and this time he is purposely changing. It looks like not only the license plate on his car, but is he changing his IDs? He has stacks of he's, identification. Oh, he's got this wonderful set of licenses, and I'm guessing registrations. Okay. Now the, the thing shifts, and it's a very important point of the movie, because... We go to Reeves Electronic Laboratories. <laughs> Reeves is he's a huge nerd. Like this guy, he sounds like this. Whit Bissell. <laughs> Whit Bissell. And he just he's like this and he's like, Oh Roy. Oh Roy, he brought me some things. <laughs> he is. <laughs> he does. And and Roy brings him stuff. And Roy like Richard Basehart is he's is great. He's pretty quiet. There's yeah. not a lot of talking in his role. No. And he's just like this like good looking chiseled yeah. dude, but he's sort of intimidating. And he shows up, gives Reeves this stuff, and, and Reeves is like, I want to bring you aboard, Roy. You can be part of my crew. You can be on my, and maybe own a part of the business. He does. He, he kind of sounds yeah. just a weak nerd. He is. And Roy's like, dude, no, I got other plans. Like, that's the only thing we get that Roy has something beyond just being a thief. This is a movie that focuses on the police side. Even though it's a cat and mouse, we really don't get, besides that one line, the motivation. There's no big of, score. Yeah. It's like, I'm assuming you're about 30. So are you saying for the next 30 years, this is what you're going to do is just kind of rob? Tinker and, with and then resell. Yeah. <laughs> That's your plan. <laughs> Everybody's got a career, but it, it is like your career is a little odd. It's a little, yeah. there's a high risk, little, you know, not much reward, yep. you know? As he's giving Reeves this thing, he goes... Oscillator. Yes, the oscillator. And then he says, you know, you got this big projector. Again, a television projector that can do 12-foot images. Didn't know that those things existed in 1948. No. What were you using them for? You know, I guess... By televising, you know, watching, you know, the honeymooners. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know. What do you want from me? I'm just... (laughs) The guy reporting the news. <laughs> but at first, um, Reeves says, "Hey, uh, that projector you're working on." He goes, "I have a buyer for it. I think it wants to pay cash." He goes, "Are you done with it?" And he's like, "Well, when's he going to be here?" He's like, "Tell him I'll have it here tomorrow. It'll be done." And he's like, "Sure." He's like, "Yeah." It fades in and it fades back out, and he's bringing the projector. And so a day's huh? passed. Huh? Here, yeah. I just I just built this thing, Jason. Huh? Yeah. Huh? And he goes, "Oh, Roy, this is really neat." And then the dude comes in, the buyer, and it's the guy. He goes, "Yeah, that's mine." Roy wants to leave. Once he knows that the buyer's coming, he's like, "I I need to leave." <laughs> wait, he's like, "I need to get out of here." <laughs> I totally understand. Yeah, it's very deli. <laughs> hey, wait, the thing I stole, the owner, yeah. the <laughs> wants to buy it. The back. rightful owner <laughs> is coming in. I'm gonna yeah. leave. Mister Dunning recognizes that that. A projector that he had reported stolen to the burglar unit LAPD. So he immediately calls. And of course, they're connected eventually to Sergeant Marty and Sergeant Chuck. There's a strange burglary where someone said that they had, you know, put this on consignment. And now someone's saying, no, no, that's my item. So they show up to talk with Reeves. And Reeves just looks guilty as all heck. Like, well, he looks pathetic. Yeah. That's that's a great word. He's just a pathetic dude because he is. He's been taken just like everybody else. Yeah. And, and he's like, well, Roy, I don't think Roy would do this. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, this is Roy, my he's voice. He's a nice guy. <laughs> he's a really good guy. I just, I, there's hard for me to believe this would happen. Roy calls. They go, hey, hey, Roy's on the phone. And they say, tell him to come pick the money up. You, you've got everything. So he sets it up, says, you know, hey, Roy, why don't you come at 830 tonight? And um, I'll give you the money. The door will be unlocked. And Roy senses something that miss. Because at first he's like, well, I'll just come tomorrow. And he's like, no, I, I, I really like, need you to come tonight. I, I, don't, I don't like, like leaving the, the money. money. Yeah. yeah. 
there's not a lot of dialogue from Whiteside. And you can see that he's like, okay, something's not, something's off. You just see the wheels yeah. turning where, yeah. where he's just like, you know, and it just like, you know, wheels turning on this bicycle beer. Yeah. Tag was a great choice. Ah, man. Yeah. I'm glad you like it. <laughs> because this the next is scene is, is almost a tag scene. <laughs> yeah, it's grapefruit, really good spot. At the finish, you get the yeah. wheat. I would say that people who generally don't drink beer, if they pick this up, it'd be hard-pressed to say until the very they're like, oh, I think... They might say, oh, your, grapefruit, your nice grapefruit soda is a little off. Yeah. It might be a little a little flat at the end. But it's no, it's it's delicious. For some reason, I, I kept thinking of... Uh, I'm not a big boat person, but if you're sitting on a boat, kicking back. Rathers are nice during the, the heat in the summertime, Dude, even uh, spring. I'm a fan. This is good. Even winter and fall. <laughs> spring all those seasons that's, in. That's my thing, man. <laughs> People are like, it's such and such beer season. And I go, it's a day of the week and I'm alive. I, I'll drink I'll drink a Rattler in the middle of the winter. I'll drink a stout in the middle of the summer. That's like, I'm, a, I'm a beer man. That Lion Bridge, thank you guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. And Absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back there when I go home next time. Is I'll try to get down. It's a little bit of a drive, but nah, it's not too much. Just get a Jane as a designated driver. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to be responsible. Of course. You know, yeah. and it is great because it's, it's growing up here. Yeah. You don't know this, but you can drive 70 miles in like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crazy thing in the rest of the world. If you want to drive 70 miles away from here right now, you go, Ooh, we got to pack a lunch. Yeah. That's <laughs> get, a vacation. Get some coordinates going here. No. In the rest of the world, you jump in the car, you drive like 75 miles per hour and you get there in about an hour and you go, Hey, I'm here. it's a day trip. And you go home. If we want to do that now, we're staying overnight somewhere. This is another John Alton special. Roy is show is, is supposed to show up at Reeves' office. Reeves is in his office. He's waiting. Brennan and Jones, Marty and, and his and his partner are there. So Roy senses something's wrong. So of course he shows up early. Dark shadows, long hallways, and he's hiding. And he sees Reeves off the distance working at his desk. And he calls out to him. He's like Reeves. And Reeves looks around. That informs. Marty and Chuck, that Roy's here. And then, of course, all hell breaks loose. This is where later I get a little questionable about what they do because Roy, he gets the jump on Marty, jumps on top of him, knocks him out, and then shoots his partner. And it's kind of a drag. It is. You like Chuck. Well, he's, a, he's a good guy. Yeah. You know, he's like the fullback <laughs> on, your, on your football team. Roy gets shot. Yeah. And it's a great little scene. Like yeah. Richard Basehart where he's pulling the bullet out. But before we get to that, that you, you mentioned the movie, and this is a John Alton scene. It's done almost all in silence. Dude. It's amazing. The lack of sound yeah. is intense. Yes. It really does. It heightens everything about that whole sequence. Because we get that throughout. There's very little musical yeah. score. I'm glad you brought that up, because it was something I noted. I think you were going to mention the fact that if Roy got the jump on Marty... Why I'm, later on would you let Marty lead this case still, particularly if he was going undercover? Yeah. Because <laughs> like, Roy send, knows what it looks like. Yeah, send in Switecker Zito. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? No, but no, Jason, I'm, I'm glad you did say that, though. The the, the lack of score yeah. in this movie, yeah. just there, there are moments, it's so quiet. And you do, you feel it. Where yeah. you're, you're like waiting. You go, oh my God, there's a killer in the room. Mm. And it's just quiet. And it's tense. And it's, 
And you got this nerd going, hey, Roy. <laughs> it reminds me of Roy. like a Muppet. Well, it's, it's like a Simpsons character <laughs> yeah. or something. It's just such a lame-o. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then at one point, I think he, he goes, well, okay, I'm going to go home and go to have some dinner. And they're like, no, you're <laughs> and not. They go, what are you talking about, yeah. you nerd? Yeah, they down. They really strong are Reeves. Well, here's because the thing. I think that for a while they think that he's in on it. From the beginning, they go, oh, this guy's got to be in on something. You know, he's just a weak. He can't be clean. But then even the captain says, oh, I think he's just, you know. He's like, this guy's just a nerd. And then they set him up to kind of prove. And yeah. he does. He, he goes, oh, that's Roy. <laughs> But you're right. Roy is taking out the bullet. There's a intense scene where he's removing a bullet from himself. It is, I think he's cauterizing his own wound. You know, he's got the instruments that yeah. are like, you know, boiling to like, yeah. you know, sanitize them. It's just, ah, it's just, I don't want to be a criminal, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so they do put pressure on Reeves and Reeves starts divulging information about Roy. He's like, well, he was in the signal corps during the war. Like, why are you sure this is the very beginning, yes. dude? Like, share some stuff. Oh, now that you mentioned yeah. it, I'm a big nerd and he was in the signal corps. And he, and during this time. Well, and this is where just the facts. Yeah. Like if you know Dragnet, <laughs> no, because Breen yep. does sit down and, and he goes, Hey, you'd, you'd help us out a lot. If you just give us the facts. Yeah. It's just the facts, ma'am. And this is also where the captain gets the call that Chuck is probably going to be paralyzed. And then Marty gets in to Reeves' face and basically he's like, you know, listen. He's a hothead. And I want to point out that the actor plays Marty, his acting name, Scott Brady, is not his name. His last name is Tierney. He's Lawrence Tierney's. And if you film, if you know film noir, or, or if you're a Reservoir Dog fan and Joe Cavett, like this was an acting family at the time. Lawrence Tierney was a tough guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, he and, did and, film noir. Yeah, <laughs> he was a total tough guy. And, and his son, like he looks, like, he yeah. looks like a football player yeah. of that time, yeah. and just like a tough guy. Yeah. Like, like yeah, you know, maybe you know, dust my knuckles a little bit. You know, that kind of guy. And so it's interesting because, you know, I think you mentioned like, oh, like they were like the Baldwin family at the time. Is Yeah, because all three brothers were acting at the time and made movies and yeah. like that. So it was pr- pretty cool. But anyways, doesn't Roy change his MO now? Yeah, which is very <laughs> unusual. And he does. He, he goes from like sneaky burglaries to just out and out, you know, robberies of liquor stores where he's like going in with like mustaches and whatnot. <laughs> and it's a very curious decision on his part, but he also uses the the storm yeah. drains. Yeah. He goes running, like sliding into third base, <laughs> but he's sliding into the storm drain, which think about it. It's on the side of the street. You always step over it. You might see a raccoon pop out yeah. of it once in a while. But this guy is sliding into those things, and he runs around, and he hides supplies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, he does hide some guns, but what else are you hiding down there, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, because they make him look a little cleaner. I would not yeah. – I'm not going down there without, you know, like some hip waders and a shotgun. <laughs> well, well, that's a point where, you know, they, they say this movie is based on a true story. And, you know, we watch movies nowadays, they say based on a true story. Really, the only thing is like, oh, one of the people's names. We still, There's nothing else. Yes. But this movie, if Inspired you, by true events. If you read what really happened, it really trails closely. He did go and rob liquor. He did change his MO. So that's why it's in the movie. So since we don't know the character behind it, and since not a lot of people are going to go and read the true story of what happened, you don't know his motivation. You think, well, that's odd. But then when you go and read what really happened, you're like, oh. Well, that was an odd guy. He did do that. Yeah. No, absolutely. So we're 
we're doing some more technological advances here because they go back, Lee Whitey, and it's really cool because we mentioned earlier, he ends up matching these robberies of the liquor stores. He's saying, hey, the same gun is being used as the ones that were part of the shooting of the cops. So we've got this match and they go, oh, okay. It's a great piece of police work. They go, let's bring in the victims of these robberies and try to get a composite together image of this person they use slides which is something uh marty says you know he's like it reminds me of something that we use in chicago but he's <laughs> like i just want to do a little update version yeah. so they use these slides there's a great little scene where it's like all these people yeah. shows just sort of like i guess this is los angeles yeah. you know at the time because each person like they're like we're gonna start with the forehead and the hair and they just put a slide up of the forehead so they're gonna build a face and then people are like Oh, it's more wavy. And then as they work down, all of a sudden, they, they're like, bring Reeves in now. And he walks in, he looks up at the picture like, well, that's Roy. <laughs> this is Breen. He says, this will really show us if Reeves is part of this yeah. or not. There's one guy, he's like, he goes, yeah, that, that kind of looks like the guy. When, when, when my dive, I mean, my place yeah. was robbed. <laughs> There's yeah. a woman who goes, his mouth was turned down. It just looked like it never smiled. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Just a facts, man. It's just very poetic about this guy who robbed you, lady. <laughs> they take that picture. Dude, they send it everywhere. Everywhere. Like, this thing was like in flipping Asia. Yeah. I mean, they're just like, yeah, get it out. This guy's been robbing some places. <laughs> we need everybody to know. It goes everywhere. Every police department across the country, every post office, everything you can imagine they sent this picture to. Here's the thing. They keep following Reeves and, and Martin. He's a smart guy, but also this seems a, a, seems a bit of a risk. He hides in Reeves' car and goes home, and then he attacks Reeves in his own home, and he wants money. That was a little odd. Like, why is he going back knowing that Reeves is probably being followed? And he knew he was being followed, too. Exactly. He's a smart dude. Dude. And, like, how are you going to extricate yourself from that situation? I don't know. But also, he goes, I can't, you know, I'm really surprised that you would squeal to the cops. Have you met this dude? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, mean, Reeves, he's just a citizen. He just only likes He's like you and me. Yeah. He's not some hardened criminal that you go, like, he's going to. He's going to take the thumb screws for you. No, like, no. This to me was where I went, this seems out of character for Roy. And then Roy does something to Reeves because Reeves kind of falls on the ground at his house. And Roy does something that you're thinking, oh, like you are escalating that this is not, at first you're like, okay, maybe he's just an odd guy, but he kicks Reeves in the face while he's down on the ground. Yeah. It was kind of, it was savage. Yeah. And that's low rent, you know, even for a crook. That's, That's just like, eh, he's a weakling. We're not kidding when we do the, oh, yeah, that's Roy. Yeah. He does. He sounds like a Muppet. Whip missile. Yes. <laughs> Lick him up. Okay. Lick I, the actor up. I, I would slap him around. <laughs> Just if I heard him, I'd be like, oh, can I have some toast? I'd be like, ah, slap him around. I'd be like, yeah, you're just a wimp. But this is a point, too, where any other police captain, any modern movie would walk in and was like, Marty, what the heck is going on? I can't believe you allowed this to happen. But Captain Breen? Comes in, and then he has a conversation with Marty. He's like, Marty, you're probably too close. Then, Crockett, you're in too deep. Didn't you have this house watched? Like, there's no emoting. And he's like, I did. And he's like, well, he still got in. So maybe. How maybe. long have you been on this case, Marty? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he's got his pipe. Yeah. Captain Breen always has. <laughs> and he's doing the side looks. Yeah. They're driving. And he's like, how long have you been on this case? You know, that's, you know. And, he's, and, and he goes, ah, oh, this this 
toughest nut I've ever yeah. had to crack. And yeah. he said, that's what I told the captain when he talked to me today. He's yeah. like, why don't you take some time off? Yeah. And he's doing the sneaky look. Yeah. So, and, and if I were to be directing that, yeah. I, I would say, don't do that. I'd say, make it straight. Yeah. Because he does, you know the captain's up to something. Yeah. You know, but it is, it's very much the, Crockett, you're in too deep yeah. <laughs> kind of moment. <laughs> And, he, and so he does. He pulls Marty off the case. Yeah. And, and Marty, you can see he's grinding his teeth. And, he's, and, and he goes, whatever you say, Captain. But he's a, good, yeah. he's a good soldier. Whatever you say, Captain. So he's going to spend his time. He's going to go visit Chuck in the hospital. Maybe have a couple cigarettes while he's in the hospital. Uh, and Chuck is just like, you know, sexually harassing the nurse. Yeah. That's <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> it's all good natured. But, you know, you can tell that there's some inappropriate pats on yeah, the rear. Exactly. You know. And also, I got to say, this dude was just paralyzed like yeah. a few days before. And he's like, the ha- I think he's still high on morphine or something. I, well, I and I don't even know if you'd be in a wheelchair at that yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> you were shot. It's yeah. like just. Well, they do make it seem like several months have gone by. I mean, because Marty does infer that it's been a while and he can't break this case. Yeah. No one in the criminal world knows him. They've done everything. No one seems to know who this person is. They've gone to prisons, which are notorious for like telling you everything you want to know. Because prisoners are truthful. (laughs) (laughs) And they do. They have like the classic, like this dude who looks like his nose was was broken when it was born. (laughs) And he's just like, no, shaking his head. No, I don't know this guy. (laughs) I don't know nothing about nothing. But Chuck gives... Marty, some advice. It's very much the Tom Cruise moment yeah. of, of, dude, he goes, ah, they put me off the case. They gave some other, okay, you know what, Jason? You, what you don't do is you show up at your partner who's in a wheelchair because of you, and you don't show up and have a pity party for yourself, yeah. <laughs> and, which is what he does. He's just sitting there smoking. He's like, they pulled me off and gave it to the other guys. Meh, meh. <laughs> His partner's like, hey, I've been working on it. You know, yeah. you're a jerk. Here's a file that I made. <laughs> <laughs> and, and meanwhile, he's like, he's like, I've just been drinking bourbon and smoking cigarettes. Yeah. You know? it's like, That's what I've been doing. <laughs> he tells him, like, this is what the captain's doing. Like, Listen, dummy, the captain did this on purpose. Think about it. I've been working. Yeah. And what have you been doing? And it's like the wrong guy was paralyzed yeah. because this other guy would have had the crime solved already. Yeah. So, but he does. He, he starts saying, and this is where things get a little tricky yeah. because they start pointing the, everything. He says, think about everything we know. He's using a cop. He's using an army gun. He's using the police radio. He knows where we're going to be. He knows what we're doing. Yeah, he's one step and, ahead all the time. And so he goes, he you're saying it might be a cop. And he's like, it happens. And that's... At the time, as we talked about the Hayes Code kind of thing, it's like you can't, that's a tricky thing because you're not going to have police being bad, you know, or they have to be punished. So So he goes, whoa! It's like a light bulb over his head. So he starts going to all the police stations, and they have great shots of the different, like, Burbank City Hall, all the city halls, and he's going in. Beverly Hills. And, and, And I love the first thing. You did check out your station. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the first thing we did. <laughs> well, because, I mean, you know, they come into your house and they yeah. go, we're accusing, we might think, you know, you guys are shady. And, and so they end up. At, at, it's actually Burbank City Hall. And, and what's great is this guy goes, you know, there was a guy here six years ago. Yeah. And the guy that looks like another Whit Bissell. Nick's like another Reeves. He's like, now hold on, a, hold on a second. Wait, hold every, on. Everybody does that. They're, they're like, wait a second. Can I take a look at that again? <laughs> It's like, there was a, a radio technician about six years ago. Very smart. Looks a lot like that. And he pull it. He's like, and the captain's like, pull out the dead, the dead, was it the dead records? And they're like, you open up, I think there's like three records in there. 
pencil out. He's like, I even wrote to him after the war saying you could have a job because he was really good at his job. And he wrote back saying, no. no. And then Marty <laughs> looks at basically, I think it's like a consignment certificate from Reeves that Roy had signed. And he looks at the letter and he's like, oh, this is it. So it's he, Roy Morgan and Roy Martin. And he looks at the letter and he's like, oh, no return address, but a Hollywood post office stamp. He finds... The most mailman looking mailman. <laughs> and, the Holly- and it is the Hollywood post. If you go and see that Art Deco building, that's the Hollywood post office. He's, <laughs> he's showing up and he's like, hey, everybody, can you look? And everyone, all the mailmen are like, nope. And they walk away. And there's one guy. Once he goes. And, and he goes, can I take one more look at that? <laughs> and he goes, that reminds me. You know what? That looks like a guy in my route. I, you know, he's just there. Never gets stuff. I just see him. And so he goes, the Bellevue Courtyard. <laughs> and he says, and I'll take you over there. Oh, that's not how it works. I got to go undercover. But what's great is that he says, oh, it's like Santa Monica and Point Santa and Fuller. It, it's the exact address. That's where it is. It used to be there. <laughs> I, I looked it up. Yeah. I did. It, There's a new building there, but it used to be there. It's not the same thing. Yes, yeah. it, it's an actual place. Yeah. So he dressed, so Marty dresses up as a mail, as a milkman. Next thing you know, they're there. <laughs> the postman goes, Hey, Gabby, chocolate milk. <laughs> it's a hot day. And, and all I could think of was Anchorman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> milk was a bad choice. <laughs> yeah. because, because it is like, and Marty does a good job. He goes through, meets a crazy lady. Yeah. Who, who that thinks, was a funny scene. Even now, she's you a witch. get laughs. The, 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 <laughs> she's a witch. Well, I'll tell you what. Switch the bottles. Yeah. And then she'll be drinking the poison. Okay. <laughs> See how it is? <laughs> And then he goes and breaks a bottle outside of Roy's place so he can see him. And he sees him. And Roy's starting to get a little spooked. But he watches and Marty does a good job because he goes on and continues being a milkman. But at the same time, I go, you're not the guy that I would put. I would say, send someone else. Because Roy's seen him before. I mean, even though it was dark. Probably, you know, but I would still err on the side of caution. This guy's dangerous and he might skip. So then Marty goes back to police headquarters and he tells Captain Breen and they're going to do a full-on dragnet at the Bellevue Courtyards this evening. Just full scale. And they launch this, but what happened? Marty still always seems to be like, he knows, he has a sense, you know. So he... Yeah, he's, he's on the roof at first, and he gets out, and he runs away, and then where do they land up? Dude, he ends up, <laughs> they do, but I'll tell you what, that whole thing where, like, his dog yeah. is barking, yeah. his dog's out, and he's just tense. Like, he senses something's coming, and he's just tense, tense. But, yeah, he ends up, does a third base slide right into <laughs> right into the storm drains. And, he's and again, Jason, there's no score. It's just the foley yeah. of him running. You hear, like, the patter of his feet. And that, as he's running is so like frantic. And that image and of him running in the dark with the flashlight is amazing. That stands up to today. You can't do a better job. Yeah. Like nobody, there's no CGI, there's nothing that could just beat, you know, hey, here's a dark, dark place. Here's a flashlight. That's what he did. I mean, it's yeah. like the, when your yeah. director of photography goes, here's a flashlight, like, run down that yeah. dark yeah. hallway. And we're going to shoot, and then we'll just drop in the sound of that, the desperate, you know, fleeing right. attempts. And he does. He, he's down there. He's running away. He finds, you know, where he stashes his yeah. supplies. <laughs> <laughs> and he finds a shotgun, and he's cornered. He's cornered like a rat. Right. 
and he can't get out because they parked a car over a manhole. And they come down, and Breen has had the forethought to say, get some tear gas. Yeah. And they end up gassing him. He has to come out. He ain't going. He's not going to give, give up. And he dies. They Marty ends up opening gunfire on him, and Roy dies. And that's the end of the movie. They cut there. I mean, it was a great, because I always joke with my wife and kids sometimes who watch me. I was like, you know, you should end it right there. Like on a tragic scene. And that's how they end it. He's dying on camera, end of movie. That's it. So would you recommend this movie? Yeah, I would. As a film noir, no. And, you know, I think we talked about it. I don't know if we talked about it here, but I was never a big Dragnet fan. That was not my thing. But, I mean, just visually, I recommend this movie because John Alton is is the star of the movie to me. I never like saying this, but it's not that long. Hour and 18 minutes. Sunday, Sunday matinee. There you go. So what about you? The same thing. I had watched this the first time when we did our film noir episode because it was on people's list. I agree with you. It's not a film noir. I think John Alton, the cinematographer, that's why people put it on their list. But I think it's a good movie. It's an enjoyable. It's fast-paced. It's a little funny looking back history-wise, some of the things, but I think it still holds up. It's well-acted. So much of this is so close to actually what happened until the end and I'm surprised like someone hasn't made a movie on the real guy. <laughs> you don't even have to get into his crime wave. Yeah. You get after he was arrested. Because this dude was put on death row. Then he was taken off death row. Then it was just, you're, you're going to be you know, in prison for the rest of your and life. In a mental with, hospital. With no parole. Yeah. And then they said, well, we'll take the parole off. Yeah. They put him in a mental hospital. He, he escaped the mental hospital. It's like, it's a fascinating story. And, and again, we were talking about it because... At the time this was made, I don't think everything had been sorted out with this guy. Because it happened like in 46. But also you have the Hayes Code where you're like, you can never show crime paying. It's like, they always have to be punished. So that makes sense how they ended it. They also didn't know what was going to happen with this guy. And when you read about how this guy was caught, it it was nothing like this. They went, hey, you know, can we just, like, cuff you up and just take you? And everything was, like, really nice and pleasant. He eventually was released on parole in the 70s. He died a free man. And changed his name and became a chemist. And then there's nothing from the time he was released and people learning that he was a chemist. He passed away in 2008 and no one knows the story between that. I'm wondering, like, did he really go legit or did he, like, like during that time? (laughs) Freaking Walter? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Regardless of the true story, the movie itself, I thoroughly enjoy. Now, this tag beer. That. This is a good time, buddy. Oh, yeah. This is a good time. Cheers on that one. Cheers. Thank you for sponsoring the show. Yeah, Lionbridge. Thank you guys so much. I can't can't wait to go back. (laughs) I'll tell you, it's one of the things that's kind of fun about being from somewhere else is I'm always traveling back to that somewhere else and there's new (laughs) stuff for me to explore. (laughs) It pays to be from a flyover state, folks. I'll tell you that right now. No, Tag, uh, you're it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what else to say, except, uh, yeah, this was a good episode. This was fun. It's a good movie, good beer. I think that wraps it up. This is Beer and Bee Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael.